Hello everyone, and after a good long five months, I hope you didn't get too bored that is, we're back to another episode of The Old Bailey. I am your host Bailey Epson, and today I'm talking about something that I kind of wanted to talk about in the past few episodes, but figured I'd devote its own episode to considering the sheer weight of the topic and understanding what it's really all about and getting it across is going to be quite the job, so I figured I'd give it its own episode. I'll be talking today about the console war that is between gaming PCs and gaming consoles. It's a very tough topic because there is a lot of sides to the issues and there's a lot of toughness in deciphering what exactly uh, the differences between the two are, what the pluses and minuses are. But it's a topic I'm more than willing to talk about and dissect from what I know. The first subject is power, and that is one thing that matters to a lot of people, particularly on the PC side. As building a, when building a PC, you have to account for RAM, which is practically essential in uh, allowing it to run smoothly, process, processing power, which will be uh, very important in uh, building up strength and speed of how it runs, and perhaps the most defining factor of gaming with a PC, a graphics card. Now, these are all things that are present in consoles, but due to their nature, consoles generally use a custom chip architecture that uh, generally doesn't quite stand up to a the power, raw power provided by a PC, so it's uh, they're not really comparable in terms of specs. Gaming PCs uh, vary a lot, but it, the whole draw is that if you can build one yourself or get a pre-made one using the right parts, it will function much better and run much smoother and have more variety and power than, than any console. And I can understand the pluses there, and it's a very good draw that is particularly for a gamer like myself who uh, tends to like games that are generally quite intensive to run such as the uh, Dark Souls series. It is also kind of a drawback in terms of price point. Like, computers are computers. They're going to be pricey anyway, I understand. But you have to really dig deep into the uh, either the bank of mum and dad, or depending on the, your computer, any national bank, really, if you're looking to get a good PC that can play all the games you want, do anything you want, run intense software. And, well, you can that can be sort of uh, offset the price by... Uh, by buying the individual parts for a computer and building it yourself, which is, uh, well, I mean, it's going to be a tough task. I'm not one I'd dare attempt myself, but for a lot of people, that is how it's worked out. And building one is also, the whole on the whole, a cheaper option, even if certain parts have become much harder to reach as of late. <clears throat> Thanks, COVID. But it's very overall, it is a very good choice, but you're still going to be paying much more than you will the upfront price for a console. I compare it to this, some graphics cards, particularly the higher priced ones, are on their own in the 700 to 500 pounds price range, and that's just a graphics card. For a PC, you have, for a, for a console rather, you have the console itself, the controller, and usually chargers and uh, a few other bells and whistles, all for the over and upfront price of, well, the PlayStation 4 was around uh, 350 when it first hit the market, and that pricing point was revolutionary because it provided just a fair balance between the Xbox One's 550 approximate and, well, the usual price of a gaming PC. So while I can respect this, the thing with consoles is what you're getting in terms of gaming power, variety, and uh, functionality is much lesser than a PC. Like on a gaming console, you can't usually you can't run editing software, you can't uh, do any other, you can't do your work on it, you can't 
well, you get the picture. There are various things that a computer can do, but the console just can't. And yet a console is still a hefty fraction of the pro average price for a gaming PC, pre-built or not. Which is, a, which is the main point of contention, and honestly one I understand. A gaming PC truly is an investment for the future, especially even with if you get a low-rent graphics card that can still keep you running and still give you a massive library of games to play, thankfully. So it's a very good choice overall if you're looking to future-proof something, especially as uh, recent generations of gaming consoles' gaps are getting cl closer and closer as the years go on. Another pro point, however, that consoles do have over PC are exclusives, or at least they had more of a power over it back in the olden days before the term exclusivity started to lose all meaning, but that's a topic for another podcast. Uh, with PC, although it does have its own... Uh, its own exclusives, it doesn't have quite the same exclusive culture as consoles do. For example, Sony has the God of War series such as God of War, Ratchet and Clank, uh, the Spider-Man games are now PlayStation exclusive. All of them are together, all of them are together and are instantly recognisable, all of them on the exclusive to the PlayStation platform, thanks to being under Sony's wing. And that gives them a huge market um, fighting chance in, in and of itself. Because people recognise those franchises, they played the games from when they were children now, and those franchises are continuing into the current generation, which will give them more of a recognisability chance, and it's uh, building off of familiarity. Granted, the games are never going to be quite the same, I can say that myself as a PS4 owner, but it's gonna it's a good start. It's a good Kickstarter for uh, getting people in, invested into uh, certain franchises and the, getting brand recognition from there. With Microsoft, uh, Microsoft has been interesting in regards to their Xbox exclusives recently in that they slowly and gradually give, seem to be giving up on the idea of exclusives and uh, opting more for, to have to sell their, a lot of their exclusives or to allow Nintendo to have them on their consoles, which has been quite an interesting development and very revolutionary, I'd say, for, uh, for uh, gaming, considering the exclusives were, back in the day, they were a massive point in, cons in wars between consoles. Not so much before PCs really started becoming powerful and hitting the market. And Nintendo, meanwhile, I think it's safe to say that Nintendo is very much in the league of their own, thanks largely due to the sheer power of the franchises they have under their belts, like uh, Mario, Zelda, Donkey Kong, all of them icons of gaming back from when it was just starting to happen, and it was or taking off rather, and it was and they've built up that recognizability and kept it running for decades. And I feel that sooner or later we might just be seeing the Mario characters, Luigi, Yoshi and all, start to overtake, start to catch up to Disney characters such as the mouse himself in terms of recognisability. And that alone has not just gaming power, but recognisability factor alone is enough to propel them to a whole new level of uh, consumer-based power and market share. Somewhat akin to Disney, which is a little, admittedly a little bit worrying, but nothing can't be anything too bad nonetheless. Let's hope. Whereas the PCs, the raw appeal in terms of exclusivity, I would say, is the sheer variety of things you can do with the console. Not just in terms of VR headsets that are available or developing games yourself. It's in the sheer openness of the software, such as mod. The modding scene is massive, particularly for games such as Skyrim, The Elder Scrolls V, which is what I would argue was the start of the and popularization of the whole modding scene in terms of the sheer amount of things you could do with it, from changing dragons to Thomas the Tank Engine, to, well, countless other things, to making dragons friendly, to 
changing the audio to change to adding in whole new quest lines to changing the the art style there were so many things you could do with that game and it was all only possible on pc and they tried to incorporate paid mods to console and it just didn't take off the same way and i don't think it ever will unless it's on a pc where the openness is all there and people have full access to dev consoles to play around with the games and yes i think that is the true pc exclusive i should say the openness and the uh, sheer adaptability of pcs interestingly though uh Val it can be noted that uh, Valve, the uh, runners of Steam, are the ones who are spearheading this very much and have understood why that appeal is there with their consumer base and are now starting to take that and uh, making Steam its own quote-unquote console brand of sorts, possibly in, com on, in competition with Nintendo, considering their recent announcement of the Steam Deck, which is a very powerful portable handheld system that can play PC and Steam games, but it operates like a switch and has a dock much like it for hooking up to a larger screen. So I feel that uh, Valve, if there is if there is anyone else, will definitely try to mingle with the, crossing over the PC and console uh, markets, and it could potentially change things up for good for good a lot of the time. And could uh, well, it's it remains to be seen. I feel whether or not this will truly be called a good change or how it will work. Will they integrate well? But I think it's a very interesting uh, development that I would like to see more of going forward, especially considering that uh, console fight users and PC warriors have, as I've been discussed, usually been at odds with each other for various things. But, but as always, I've been Bailey and you've been listening to The Old Bailey. I'll probably pick up this topic perhaps in another podcast later down the line, but for now I'm signing off. And good night, evening, morning, wherever you are.